You know, it's like, oh, my hip flexor isn't strong enough. And yes, that is that is part of it. Your hip flexor and your quad might be really locked up, but because they're having to do so much work because your hamstring isn't flexible enough, like let's look at the other end of something. So if something's having to work really hard in the front, what's happening in the back? When this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're going to see some serious shit. Well, that is the story of human progress. One inch at a time. I'm your host, Joe DiStefano, and you're listening to Stack. Hey guys, in today's episode, I chat with Dr. Jen Esquerre. I met Dr. Jen at a seminar a bunch of years ago. I think she actually stumbled into a workshop I was teaching, and we ended up catching up, and I knew that when I launched this podcast, I had to have her as a guest. You might know Dr. Jen from Instagram. So she's a physical therapist here in California, still working with people, but she's also an incredible influencer on Instagram. She's got a million, billion followers, and she's putting out some of the best content around. And I think the reason behind that is the fact that she's still working with people. And so she understands your whys. She understands where you're starting from. She understands the pitfalls and the way we get in our own heads that impedes our progress. So one of the most important takeaways from this episode is this notion of proper expectations understanding who you are, what you are, where you are, so that once you start getting results, you can actually be aware of it and use those steps along the way to fuel greater success. But don't take it from me, take it from Jen and enjoy this episode. Today's episode is brought to you by Four Sigmatic. I'm pumped to be telling you guys about Four Sigmatic right now because I don't remember the last time I went a day without consuming at least one of their little mushroom packets. If you're new to mushrooms, you can rest in the fact that these foods have been around for thousands of years, and they were used medicinally in everywhere from ancient Egypt to ancient Chinese medicine. They've been revered as these plants of immortality, especially reishi, which is probably my personal favorite medicinal mushroom. It's this slightly bitter mushroom that you can use to ease tension, stress, fall asleep quicker even take a nap in the middle of the day and, and wake up ready to go 20 minutes later. This stuff is amazing, and it is a little bitter, so I always drop just one or two drops of a liquid stevia into it, but once you do, this stuff is extremely calming and delicious. So head on over to foursigmatic.com slash runga for a list of all my favorites, including reishi, and save 15% on your entire cart. Today's episode is also brought to you by Blue Blocks. Thinking back to the days I spent traveling the globe, I would always keep this roll of black tape in my bag. And when I arrived at a hotel, I'd rip up all these little pieces and cover up all the lights that seemed to be emitted from everything inside the hotel room, from the, from the fire alarm to the TV to the microwave, whatever it might be. I would go around the whole room. And anyway, I don't have to do that anymore because Blue Blocks has created the most incredible sleep mask that I have ever used. I've always hated sleep masks because, first of all, most of them let light in, uh, but they're also often itchy and uncomfortable. If you're real lucky, if you're real lucky, you get one of the ones that slice into your eyeballs and leave you with a noose around your neck in the morning. But Blue Blocks, that's Blue Blocks, B-L-U-B-L-O-X dot com, has created a sleep mask they call the Remedy Sleep Mask. This thing is insanely comfortable. It stays in place and does not let one speck of light in. 
And right now you can save 15% on your Remedy Sleep Mask. Just go to blueblocks.com, B-L-U-B-L-O-X.com and use code RUNGA at checkout. All right. <sighs> Rocking and rolling. All right. Well, hey, so anyway, about that, uh, about those pistol squats. <laughs> <laughs> so this weekend I've got this thing and um, it's, you know, so the arcade, we talked about the snatch test and everyone mm-hmm. knows about it because I talk about it all the time. But the other tests are military press, super heavy, pistol squat, kind of heavy, but God gave me good pistol mobility. mobility. Um, and then there's like a heavy pull up and stuff. Right. But what's funny about the pistol is, like I said, I just have a genetic pistol. Like I didn't work for it. It, God delivered it. I signed for it. I've got a pistol. (laughs) But when I post anything about a pistol, like I get like a million questions. Oh yeah. How do you get a pistol? How do you do a pistol? What the hell? That looks heavy. I know you've done a few things. You've talked about the pistol at Mm -hmm. least before. I have. So I'm curious about like... What progressions, what do you tell people? What progressions do you take people through? Like, how the heck do you take somebody that wants to do a pistol? And then the other piece is, like, is it a good idea, like, always? Yeah, I know. You know, what's kind of crappy is that the answer always comes back to, it depends. Right. Right? It's (laughs) like, that's the common physical therapy answer, I feel like, for everything. Well, it depends on your body and your structure. We're going to have different femur lengths. Right. person a person. Right. And that means what is your depth going to be like? What is your, like, if you have a longer femur, you're probably going to need way more dorsiflexion in, in your ankle mm-hmm. in order to be able to maintain your spine it, over alignment of your center of your foot and get back up. Right. And so it's going to be a lot harder. Right. Can it be done? I think it could. Yeah. It's just going to be how much work are you willing to put into it as well. Right. And that's the one number one thing with any kind of like mobility restriction, strength restriction, anything. Hmm. It's how much consistency over time are you going to allow in order to be able to achieve. Right. And I don't like to put limitations on anyone. I don't like to say, you know, it's necessarily going to be bad. If that's what you want to do, cool. How can we get you there? And it might not look the way that you initially anticipated right possibly so maybe it's a pistol squat that you do have to hold a weight out in front of you because it helps balance you out a little bit more right and you're never going to do one that's or you're not possibly likely going to do one without without a weight in your hand and that's okay so it might look different than you initially anticipated Mm -hmm. but can we still get you to a level that gets you closer to your goal Right. No, that makes, that makes total sense. And I think that, uh, and I think the other piece of that is like, and all the stuff you might need to do to do that doesn't look like that. Right. And that's okay. And and it's really going back to, to gaining awareness within your own body so that we can see what we need to work on. For a lot of people, it is ankle dorsiflexion, right? right? Can your knee go past your toe four to five inches when you're like in full flexion? So full flexion of the hip, full flexion of your knee, can your knee go past your big toe, four to five inches, which is quite a bit. Quite a bit. So, okay. So just to kind of recap, so the longer the femur, yeah, the more dorsiflexion somebody, which is knee over the toe. Yes. Now, what about like the aerobics instructor, like knees can't go past the toes? Because oh, yeah, yeah, every yeah. time I post anything, yes. it's like, are you aware? Yeah. Um, are you aware what I see? Yeah, uh, I know. So I'm curious on that. 
is this like a campfire squat? Is this like a third world squat? Whatever you want to call it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How are you testing this? And then, yeah, so I'm curious. And then what if I have short femurs? Mm-hmm. Then I, I don't need as much. You you really don't need as much, and it's going to be yeah. more of an advantage for you, right. which is great. And that's probably why for you <laughs> as well and for me, yeah. like it's we've been blessed with this mobility that looks like we probably have a lot more. Right. When right. really, like I know that I have some restrictions in my ankles. Yeah. But I can still do pistol squats. Right. Right. And it still is something that I'm working on within my ankles. Right. Um, but I know that I can do it, especially if I hold a weight, like no problem. And right. I have good hip mobility, meaning that my hamstrings are really flexible. Mm. And that's the one thing that people always forget is like the other leg that's straight. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, my hip flexor isn't strong enough. And yes, that is that is part of it. Your hip yeah. flexor and your quad might be really locked up, but because they're having to do so much work because your hamstring isn't flexible enough, right. like let's look at the other end of something. So right. if something's having to work really hard in the front, what's happening in the back? And that's what I think what we forget about. And people are like, oh yeah, my hamstrings are, you know, pretty tight. And I'm like, yeah. So it's probably going to be harder for you to do a pistol squat, which is okay. Maybe that means that you're starting on a bench or right. a higher surface right now where your leg doesn't have to be held up, right. you know, the entire right. time. Because as you get down, that other leg, like you got to do something with straight. it. It has to be straight, yeah. And it, it has to be straight in yeah. order to be out of the way. Right. Unless you're going to do a different kind of squat. What right. is that? Um, the Like a hockey squat or... The, is it the dragon? I don't know. There's so many different names. I can't. I can't. I can't keep up. Another interesting point, though, too, and this is this is like stellar information. And I think ankle mobility in general um, yeah. is just you know there's it doesn't matter if you're talking about a world champion or a desk jockey. Yes. It seems like ankle mobility, big toe stuff, which maybe we can dive into. Yeah, I would love to. But I think the other interesting thing, like that you kind of alluded to, is this like, are you willing to put in the work? Yeah. And I think this is an area that uh, a lot of people kind of need to focus on because what the question to me is, I've got this thing like, do you want to optimize or do you want to maximize? And you can maximize Mm -hmm. your health, Mm -hmm. but don't expect to be the fittest you've ever been Mm -hmm. because you got to drink a lot of milk to be as fit as you can possibly get, right? And this isn't a paleo discussion. It's just (laughs) an example, right? Sometimes the things you need to do to get super fit aren't the things you need to do to live a long time. Mm-hmm. And so if you yeah, think about somebody that wants a pistol, are you willing to put in the work? Yes. Like, how do you decide if like, is the pistol really where you want to put your energy or is there somewhere else that it might be better yeah. suited if you've got limited time or whatever? And I think that, just, again, that all comes down to what are your ultimate goals? And I don't want to restrict someone from what they want to achieve. Right. Like, ultimately, yes, I want you to be focused more on longevity of your body in general mm. and your health as a whole. Right. But if your immediate goal right now is a pistol and that's going to mean a lot to you, or it's running a marathon or it's doing something that is a little bit harder on your body, or it's doing this crazy thing that you're doing with hundred snatches <laughs> yeah. and like heavy weight and all this other stuff, you know, I'm not going to limit you from that. Right. And that is my one goal, especially Mm. as a physical therapist. I think um, we do get a lot of patients who are like, well, my doctor said I'll never be able to do this. Or my doctor said, I can't do this anymore. I can't do that. And I'm just like, why are we putting these limiting beliefs already in a person? Now I have to take that on for them and work with them in this way because the MD told them, well, this is 
this is your back. Right. Or this is your body. This is what it's going to be. And it's just, and it's so sad to me that that is where we're already starting from. And so I like to get that off the table right away and say, hey, look, listen, it might look a little different Mm -hmm. than you initially anticipated or expected because we love to put expectations on how we think the result needs to look. Right. So maybe we can learn how to detach from the expectation of it a little bit Mm. and still go along this journey and observe what we can to get to your goal as close as possible. And it might ebb and it might shift and it might look a little different at the result, but we can still achieve something together if you're willing to put in the work with me. And that's the mindset I love going in with someone and kind of reframing around it what we can do within someone's body. Um, And I think going back to like a pistol, you know, it's, we, we've been taught certain ways and it's hard to get out of that. I mean, every time I go to a Pilates class, you know, it's like they constantly correct me. No, 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 knee path, like push your knee back a little (laughs) bit more. And I'm like, okay. (laughs) But that's okay because that is how they've been taught. They don't understand many, many, many times we've been taught on the how. Right. 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 And the how is how I'm supposed to do something. Well, this person told me this is how it's supposed to be done. This person told me this is how my trainer said this is how my whatever you want to say. This is how. But many times we're not understanding why. Right. Right. Why can't my knee go past my toe? Right. And we're not challenging these things either to say, well, and, and I'm guilty of that myself, like going into physical therapy school, I, you know, I would be like, well, chiropractors do this, physical therapists do this. I don't like that. The, like, and I had these mindsets on like, them. yes. Yeah. And, and in movement as well, like, yeah. well, this is what it's supposed to be. This is where your knee's supposed to track. This is what's supposed to happen. And like, I had all these definitive answers mm-hmm. of how something was supposed to be. And mm-hmm. I thought I knew the why, Right. but I love that I've now thus surrounded myself around people who Mm. push the boundaries of why. I'm like, okay, I see where you're saying with that, but why can't this happen? Like, why can't, why is it bad that my knee goes past my toe? And I get it. So for a lot of people, we think, okay, knee going past the toe, it's going to put a lot of tension into the knee joint. Yeah. And it is. Mm -hmm. This is true. And you're going to get probably a lot more quad dominance Mm -hmm. within placing pressure forward. Right, right. So it does put an increased pressure, tension, load on the knee joint. And mm-hmm. over time, repetitive, like pushing into that right. can start to cause some right. knee pain right. and some knee issues. Um, and so now we look at, okay, well, why is that happening? Was that happening intentionally? Mm-hmm. Um, was that happening because I'm restricted in my ankle? Because I'm restricted in my hip? And my knee just had to go into that more forward place, you know? So, and maybe that's why you have knee pain. Or maybe you just didn't progressively load it over the knee over time, which is usually the problem. We want to, especially if we're going to go try a new workout or we're going to go try whatever it is, we're, we're like, oh, this is what this person's doing. This is the workout. This is, the, this is what this person showed on Instagram. So I'm going to do this. And we're all of a sudden pushing our bodies into these places that we haven't trained them for. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we're trying to do cool new things or put on a lot of weight to prove something or whatever it may be. And your body's not ready for it. So... I would say also like 
learning how to progressively get the knee over the toe in a healthy way. So whether that starts with just basic lunges, mm-hmm. that could either even be static lunges where you're just nice and slowly kind of like, can I lean forward a little right. bit? How does my knee feel like with this? Can I still get my hip back as I'm going down and getting my knee over. So I'm still activating through like my hamstrings and my glutes while I'm putting more pressure into my knee joint. And so progressing, you know, and, and it's so hard to visualize this through a podcast (laughs) and really, she's doing pistol squats right now. (laughs) Really be able to show like how that should be. But I think anything goes back to like, where's my foundation? Mm-hmm. How can I be aware of my body right now? And then how can I progressively just start to load into the position that I want to over time? <laughs> that was a lot of information. That was, that was tremendous. <laughs> no, it was, it was tremendous. And so um, I think that, geez, that was terrific. And I think the other piece, you know, getting back to like the big toe. Yeah. Uh, because that's the only thing I don't think you mentioned. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And otherwise I wouldn't know what to ask. Uh, <laughs> no, but it, it's such an interesting lesson because sure, like, you know, going into deep knee flexion, you know, let's say you've got optimal hip, optimal mm-hmm. knee, mm-hmm. optimal, optimal ankle, optimal hip. Yeah, like, you know, a pistol is going to put some stress on your knee. Maybe, yeah. you know, no matter who you are, maybe don't do 2000 a day. Yeah. Um, and then with that being the case, it's the kind of thing like any sporting activity. Like if you think about, like I used to work with a lot of baseball guys and it's mm-hmm. like, you got 10,000 pitches, you got 10,000 pitches. You can use them in eighth grade. A lot of my kids were young. Mm-hmm. You can use them in eighth grade. If you want, you mm-hmm. can use them in 10th. You can use them in 12th. Like that's your career. Mm-hmm. And if you can do every five or eight pull-ups you can do, you get a few more, mm-hmm. you know, you get the right mm-hmm. to throw a few more fastballs. Um, but, um, and I think it's kind of the same here. And so that like maximize strategy like this mm-hmm. is our objective know that you know it is not it is safe but sure like if you do enough of it it's going to cause a little bit of strain yeah and then the other piece of the um the equation here there was so much there i just took like 20 notes um the big toe yeah and then this idea in terms of where the aerobic instructor got her information yeah. or his information yeah this idea that i've i've spoken to a few times is like safe versus optimal. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I think that's a theme in a lot of the things taught, like whether it's the RKC or kettlebells, the work you do. Yeah. Safe versus optimal. So yeah. Yeah, totally. And I think, um, understanding what the difference is because can't safe be optimal Mm -hmm. and can't optimal be safe. Right. So is there a difference? Right. Um, and I think when it comes down to that, it's like, well, I want to, especially if you're talking a general workout class right. and someone who's just getting certified to be able to teach this workout class, mm-hmm. they are typically going to lend towards safety. Yeah. And like, what is the most preventative measure I can take here <laughs> yeah. in order not to create <laughs> any pain or injury or anything? Cause I want these people to come back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I don't think they're taught the same in CrossFit for that. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> the opposite. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, and then optimal meaning, you know, what can my body actually achieve? Like, how can I move into its full range of motion and actually start to explore a little bit more within my body? And I would still say that's coming down to a safety issue as well. So, because optimally doesn't mean that let me just 
test stuff out and see what works and what doesn't work. It right. just means like, let me explore. And I love this concept of exploring the body. And especially in like, there's not necessarily, I don't, I used to be on like good versus bad right. exercise or right. things that you should do. This, not that. Yes. Yeah. And even though that's so way more attractive to <laughs> the social media eye and, yeah. and general population, it really comes down to what's efficient and effective versus what's not as efficient within the body. Right. And I think that's where it comes down to as well, like optimal safe versus not optimal and safe. Um, because if I'm going to go into a position, it's not necessarily that it's bad, but maybe I can do it progressively over time without load, without any load. Maybe I'm using assistance to mm -hmm. get my knee over my toe or whatever it may be. And then non-efficient would be, let me try out this movement or jam my knee over my toe and put weight and load right. on it. Right. Or another example could be, you know, oh, I'm going to do the Jefferson curl. So I'm going to do you know, that with a lot of load and a lot of tension, not optimal, not efficient for the body if your body is not used to going into that position. Right. And just so people, for people that don't know what yeah. the Jefferson curl is, including me. <laughs> yeah. So that's just, you know, it's really like a spinal roll down, like, okay, a, okay. like standing yeah. Yeah. and a spinal roll down all the way to the ground yeah. into like a hamstring stretch Got it. Got and then it. a Got spinal it. roll up. Got it. Right. Yes. And Jefferson curl has been termed because now you're using load on that. So you're like Got holding it. a weight. So rather than like a deadlift where you're keeping a straight, a straight spine and a right. neutral back and kind of bending from the knees, this one, you're actually pretty much straight in the knees and then rounding from the back. So right. actually putting load and tension through a spinal flexion, which we've been also taught is really bad. Right. Right. And if any, any, uh, 30 to 40 year old athletes that played sports in high school and went through bigger, faster, stronger. It's what they referred to as a Romanian deadlift. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Romanian deadlift. I remember the workout plan. I'm like, that just doesn't look like it's going to be good. I think I'm going to skip that one. Yeah. And here's the thing that I say all the time too. It's like, okay, but let's look at some of the sports out there. Um, if you do like um, speed skating, are they in spinal flexion? No. I would say a little bit, yeah. Like, yeah, they, they're, they're kind of straight and forward, but when they're coming around those curves especially, they're mm. rounding through okay, the back. Okay, okay, okay. Um, a, a skier, a, a, like a, I don't know the name. Like <laughs> what about like a golfer? A golfer's twisting, extending, flexing yeah. all the all of it from the spine. Um, um, the a snowboarder who's like landing from jumps, mm -hmm. a skier who's landing from jumps, they land in flexion, mm -hmm. and that yep. land is a load. Right. Think of like a weight on your back, or you're holding a weight. Right. That's load. That's tension, right. because you're like pounding into the ground. So. And they land in flexion. They make it. They survive. And they survived. So right. is it bad? Right. And that's where I would say no. But did they just go there right away? No, they've loaded it over time. Small jumps landing in that position. Right. To bigger jumps landing in that position. It's the same as like now I'm going to do a Jefferson curl because I think it's cool and I've seen it on Instagram. Okay. Do you even have the range of motion? Do you even have spinal flexion? 
Do you have hamstring flexibility? Have you ever loaded the spine in flexion? Mm. I guarantee you've gone into flexion. Like I'm sitting in flexion right now of my spine. I'm not going to say that I need to be in anterior pelvic tilt <laughs> all day long yeah. as I'm sitting on my, right. in my sit bones, you know? And I think it's okay. That's why I also like explore movement, be in different movement. It's okay. It's not bad. I don't like to victimize mm. and make movements wrong or bad. It's just like, how can we create more efficiency and effectiveness through this movement? Right. It's, oh my gosh. I just had a flashback to when I first started uh, training folks years ago. I had this guy who was like strong as an ox. Mm -hmm. He was like a bricklayer, did like a ton of like manual labor. He could pick up a million pounds in horrific form. Oh, yeah. Like just what we're talking about though, yeah. right? Because if I'm an 18, 19-year-old personal trainer yeah. and I see a guy doing deadlifts with what looks like a Jefferson curl yeah. and he's picking up a 1,000 pounds, you know what I mean? That's mm -hmm. sarcasm. But – um I want to go fix him. Oh, totally. But it kind of goes the other way too then. Mm -hmm. Because if some dude's been laying bricks for 30 years in flexion, mm -hmm. and I tell him, whoa, 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 Joe, you know, you got to extend yes. to pick up weight. He's probably going to get hurt. He's probably going to get hurt. Because his body's not used to that. So it's not effective and efficient for his body. So how can we change and create variability over time? Right. And that's all it really is about. And... I would say general population, do we want to be in more of this spine neutral position when we're loading and we're picking up weight and we're pushing weight overhead? Yes. And that's because we want to create maximum efficiency for safety. Right. But does that not mean that I'm going to pick something up in flexion? I'm going to pick something up in extension and, and that's going to be bad? No. But it's just... How often are you doing it every time? So if like, it's for example, the person who's like, well, I picked up a pencil and my back threw out. Damn pencil. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh my God, I picked up a pencil. How did this happen? But it's not the pencil and it's not that one time that you picked it up. It was every single movement that you do throughout the day. Are you ever getting out and creating variability? Right. Are you ever creating efficiency and seeing what your body can move into or like changing it up? So over time, if this is all you're doing and you haven't created any resiliency and tension and load within this position, yeah, the, the thousandth time that you do it, your back is going to be like, I can't take it anymore. Right. I give out. Brilliant. Brilliant. I, uh, I'm coming from a sport of, you know, uh, carrying 80 pound sandbags up mountains and, you know, dragging tractor tires. Mm -hmm. You know, this is a conversation I used to have a lot because when you're racing, dragging a heavy tire, mm -hmm. you're in flexion, rotation, yeah. your, yes. your head's 45 degrees yeah. this way. And when that's the contest, that's a competition. It's like every rep in training can't be this perfect no. deadlift. It's yeah. like, at some point, you got to get sports specific mm -hmm. and kind of minimally expose yourself to, yes. these, to these extremes. Yeah, and that's what it is over time. How can I expose myself to these, little, these different positions that my body's going to be in? And that's why teaching all realms. So I'm going to mm. teach you how to have your knee over your ankle and how to push your knee over your toe. 
Right. And what if it goes in the inside of your big toe just a little bit? What if it goes towards your pinky a little bit more? Mm. Like how can my hip accommodate for those kinds of movements? How can my foot accommodate for those kinds of movements? So it's not all putting pressure on my knee. Right. And how can, and when, and if we think of the body like on a spectrum, so even if we're talking like foot uh, pronation, supination, mm-hmm. we like to say, oh, the foot's pronated or, oh, that foot's supinated. And though, yes, someone can be more in pronation mm-hmm. or more in supination, they're usually not full supination right. or full <laughs> pronation, yeah. right? That would be awfully funny. Yeah, that would be a little crazy. So rather, we like to think of the body on a spectrum where we want to find neutral, but if I'm just going to take a pronated foot and try to push it and force it into neutral, into this position that it's not used to being in, will that stay and will that last? I would say probably not. Right. So how can I teach my body to go more in pronation and then all the way into supination? Right. And how can I teach it to create this balance, not loaded, more, so again, playing into efficiencies and everything still, and how can, I cre- how can I teach the body, like, no, it's okay, push more into pronation, push more into supination, find that balance so that neurologically now my brain can find neutral on its mm. own. Degrees of freedom. Yes. Because the goal ultimately isn't to hammer you into a position that your body's not going to last or turn it on so much or make it think that it needs to be in this, like, intense contracted state all day long, which isn't functional and is only going to drive you into that sympathetic fight flight all day long. Rather, how can I teach your body how to have ease and not have to be like turned on and locked up all day long in a more neutrally balanced position? And I would say that's playing with both extremes. So teaching your body how to push into one area fully, even more than you think that you need to be, and then how to push into the other area more. Right. I mean, I just think that we, a lot of times, lose sight of just how intelligent our brain is, right? And it's this, we've been on two feet long enough (laughs) for the brain to know where stuff's supposed to be and where things are supposed to be. And sure, if you're locked up, fight or flight, tight here, tight there, heel shoes, desk jockey, whatever the kind of culminating factors might be exposing your body to these extremes and, and putting some faith in this 2.6 million year old brain yeah. that it might know where things are supposed to go when you kind of open things up a little bit. Exactly. And you, and you, you make your sport kind of exploring yeah. this, this body. Oh yeah, exactly. We, I mean, and it's no wonder we lose sight of the exploration because we go from exploring and crawling and, and standing and rolling and all these and sitting on the floor and just playing as kids to sitting in desks and sitting in cars and sitting and just being static. And then we say, okay, well, let's get you sit to stand, you know, in a chair and then standing. And it's like, okay, we're changing a little bit, but Mm -hmm. we're not even getting into our full range of motion. Right. And so, of course, we're going to be lacking. Of course, we're going to be restricted. Of course, we're going to have zero awareness within the body as to where we even need to be moving into (laughs) because we've lost the art of exploration. Right. Love that. I love that. And I think, you know, one of the things just kind of not to go back to the Jefferson curl, but if we think about like 
bridging this gap. So my guy with the round back, he can safely pick up 400 pounds in flex that, that quote bad mm-hmm. posture. It would be a high risk activity for me to try to leave that weight on the bar and tell him to go into extension, tell him to get into this, into his hips, get good form. And let's see if you can pick it up. Yeah. In reality, he might have to put one third of that weight. Oh yeah. Right. And so this idea of like regressing to progress. Yes. And I think, you know, before we turn this thing on, we were talking a little bit about the inner unit Mm -hmm. and the outer unit Mm -hmm. and how, you know, six pack abs and, you know, (laughs) this becomes the focus. Mm -hmm. And when I, when I think regress to progress, I think that that inner unit idea is probably the biggest place. If there's one area that 95% of people listening might need to regress to progress, it might be that inner unit. Oh yeah. And that's just, that's, in general, again, just getting down to our foundation of being a child. And if we look at a baby and they're breathing, their bellies are going up and down. Mm -hmm. And they have this inner unit of what we're talking about, which is the diaphragm, which would be like your top unit, the top of the unit, the pelvic floor, the bottom of the unit, the back muscles, the multifidi in, um, or the back of the unit and then the front of the unit being the transverse abdominis. And this is like that inner kind of part that we want to just be regulating normally. And with a baby, their bellies go up and down. You can feel breath into their back and, and they're just breathing. And this is just natural and normal. If it starts to go into the chest, then we know something is wrong. Right. But then we look at adults and that's, <laughs> that's a norm. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. Like, well, I'm breathing, so it's yeah. fine. Right. <laughs> or we've been taught, especially as women, like suck in your bellies, lift up your chest. Um, and so we've, we've completely lost our regular pressure system within our body. And that's everything. Like that's our inner unit. That's our core is just our pressure system. And when our pressures get all messed up because we're, we're sucking in our bellies and we're lifting our chest and the breath no longer can go in and out in front and back or side to side, like, of course it's going to push down more. So we can have a lot of pelvic floor problems, uh, which is not just a women problem. But that's a men issue as well that I don't think that we take into account very much. Um, and then we get, you know, just it, it all plays a role. And it's this idea of there's like three diaphragms within our body. Our diaphragm and our neck, our glottis, and how that's stacked on top of our respiratory diaphragm. So our, our diaphragm right underneath the rib cage and then our diaphragm at the pelvic floor. And if those three are not in alignment, we're probably going to have pressure issues. We're probably Mm -hmm. going to be pushing pressures out where they're not necessarily supposed to be Mm -hmm. um, and and just causing an imbalance within our body. So if our pressure system just from our breath is out of balance, um, we're not going to be activating very well. So we're not going to understand how to turn on the transverse, how to turn on your pelvic floor, how to breathe through the diaphragm and how to turn on the multifidi, that inner unit. And we're probably going to have more of like a forward head posture. Um, We might, I I mean, I was listening to, I can't even remember, but a dentist talking about uh, dental hygiene and the fact that messed up teeth 
can come from that forward head posture and not right. being aligned and stacked because mm. your tongue and how you're swallowing when you go into that forward head posture is actually jutting forward mm. as you as you swallow, which creates a, a flatter palate and, and kind of crooked teeth. Rather than having our head stacked on top of our body, uh, apparently our tongue, and this is not for me, this I should know who it's from, but I forget. Um, <laughs> our body, our, our tongue kind of creates more of a wave effect, which is also calming, mm -hmm. gets us into the parasympathetic, creates more of a, a, a the a lifted palate right. in, the, in our soft palate in the back and, and allows like no, not a lot of pressure on the teeth. So even just getting <laughs> your head back, Makes help. more space for the teeth, right? Makes in more a space. Makes it easier for breathing. So now we're not breathing from the mouth. We're breathing from the nose. Because our mouth is really the place that we should be eating from. Not where we should be breathing right. from. Our respiratory should really be dominated from the nose. Right. Um, so if we can naturally get our head back a little bit more. Not forcing, I would say. but And, <laughs> and I would like to say, like, try it. Try it at home. Like, you know, make the double chin, kind of see if you can like, almost think of it like pulling your head back and like a string is lifted from like the, the top of the head. So it's almost like an up and back motion. Now, can you swallow in that position? If you can't, you're probably not ready for that position. Mm. And you actually need to go forward a little bit more. So we're also like the, the concept and the idea, again, how we tell everyone, right? Double chin exercises, um, chin tuck exercises, whatever we want to call it. Like these are the exercises that you need for your, for your body. But is my body even, can it functionally attain that position? And I right. would say it's functional there if you can breathe swallow and do daily life functions. If not, we need to back you off a little bit. This is crazy. I'm glad there's no video. <laughs> like my head, I'm like moving all over the place. But what I just realized, this is crazy. So, okay. So tuck my chin. Mm -hmm. And what did you say? Swallow. Mm -hmm. Okay. I can do that. But the other way. So ready? When I'm in this position, chin tucked, headlong. I can breathe through my nose fully. Mm. When I project my head forward, I can't breathe through my nose anymore. Mm. But you know, it stops right here. Isn't that amazing? In my neck. That's kind of, if you guys are listening, like, <laughs> check that out. Yeah. And that's totally going to throw off your pressure system, right? right? And now we condition, so now we think, okay, let me just focus on the neck. Or let me, like, it's, it's a whole body picture. And especially... Like the number one thing is like, how do I get out of anterior pelvic tilt? I need to stretch my hamstrings I, or my hip flexors. I need to smash into my hip flexors. I need to get a lacrosse ball in my hip flexors. And I'm like, no. Right. No. Right. Probably not. Might it help a little bit if we're, we're probably moving more so like <laughs> neurolymphatically rather than actually releasing muscle tissue, but that's okay. Um, Force that thing relaxed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can't stand. We can get into that. Um, but, you know, rather than smashing in, in, into hip flexors and stretching into hip flexors, like let's observe what's happening with these three diaphragms. Right. Like is your, is your rib cage like flaring up and out? Right. You know, or is it, on top of your pelvis. Because even if we just lower that rib cage, not even forcing it, just like, can I just lower my rib cage on top of my pelvis? I guarantee in standing, your 
anterior pelvic tilt is going to change. Yeah. Like, I guarantee it. And that's not even turning on any, like, muscle force or anything. Right. So, and then can we kind of, like, start to pull that head back a little bit more? Can we pull that, that rib cage down? And now, now can I go into, like, extremes and move into that? And it's really just, like, starting to play with variability, mm-hmm. I like to say. So it's like, yes, you're going to be at a desk job. Yes, your neck is probably going to go forward as you start to look at the computer normal because you're like focusing and you're attentive. It's like the same thing if we're like in a conversation with someone, it's normal to all of a sudden like your head is going forward. You're super interested in what they're having to say. It's not bad. Like you're not going to be in this perfect robotic position all day long. And I don't like want people to think that that's how you're supposed to live. It's normal, but let's now be more observant and be responsible for our positions. So if I know that when I'm working at a computer, when I'm working on my phone, when I'm in deep conversation with someone and my head is going to start to go forward a little bit more, okay, cool. But now let me take responsibility for that as a human (laughs) in my own body and say, how can I start to play with different positions and move out of that? So maybe that's retracting a little bit. Maybe that's practicing swallowing. Maybe that's doing a little head movement. Maybe that's taken my, like there's different, um, neuro lymphatic points as well mm-hmm. within our body, which just means that like neurologically, I'm going to calm down the system. Yep. Um, lymphatically, I'm going to start to move fluids a little bit more throughout mm-hmm. my system. And when, and really, if we want to improve mobility, we want to calm the system. We want to, um, we have to get fluids moving better within our body. Like the only way we really create fascial glide is by, and, and really manipulating fascia, I would say, is by creating a better slide and glide within the fascia because it's not, and calming the system down because it's not necessarily that we're breaking any fascia up. We're not doing that, but we're really creating better movement around the fascia and around our muscle tissue and all of that and around our nerves, everything. Mm. So if we can find these different neurolymphatic points, we can actually calm the system. We can actually get ourselves feeling better and moving better. So maybe that means, okay, I know that my head is going to go forward for a specific time. I'm going to set alarms on my computer, on my phone, and it's going to kind of remind me to get out of these positions. And maybe that means I'm going to take some moments. I'm going to come back. I'm going to breathe through my nose nice and slowly. And maybe I'm going to kind of rub underneath my collarbone. That's one of the neurolymphatic mm, points. Got it. We think it's always like super tender. Well, yeah, it is. It's kind of like, it's, it's a little bit more ten- tender because you have these nerves and the lymphatic system that kind of cross over each other in these different positions, in these different points. So under the collarbone, I really like a lot, um, right on the sternum. So that that might be like a little sensitive and you're like, Ooh, Jesus. why is that? Yeah. Wow. Why is that sensitive is it just because it's bone it's like no because you can rub your elbow right and that won't feel the same right and it's because it's where those nerves and the and and like the lymph system kind of cross over each other so you can rub on that you can rub right underneath the rib cage so if you kind of get those you guys should see this (laughs) (laughs) kind of getting those fingers underneath the rib cage and trying to dig under a little bit it might not feel so comfortable um so those are just a few points that you can start to go through and that's that's a great way to start to say oh i'm I'm using my hands too much. My head is going forward on my computer. How can I sit back? And how can I just breathe into my nose, kind of retract my chin, and rub underneath these areas and calm my system for a moment? Right. Hey, guys, what's up? Sorry to interrupt, but are you digging today's episode? 
If so, please head over to iTunes or wherever you downloaded it and post a review. This is so hugely important to us that every two weeks, I'm going to give away $150 in gift cards to kettlebellkings.com to one lucky reviewer. Thank you so much. Now back to the show. This is mind-blowing. Okay. <laughs> so number one, and, and going back a couple of minutes, if you have nose breathing issues, because I push a lot of nose breathing stuff, mm-hmm. and I get a lot of people like that, this doesn't work for me. Mm-hmm. My nose is blocked. Mm-hmm. You must have a forward head because mm. I've been playing with this and wild, awesome, crazy. Um, these uh, neurolymphatic points mm-hmm. are are super interesting. Mm-hmm. Is this so? I've done a little bit of like EFT. Are you familiar with EFT, emotional freedom technique? I think I've heard of it. So it's just tapping. Yeah. So you yes, like yes, do yes, this yes. like self tapping. Yeah. And I'm curious if those points. There's probably some oh, overlap probably. there. Yeah. Because it was the collarbone yeah, and you know over yeah, here, yeah. which yeah. I thought was super mm-hmm. interesting. Kind of going back to. Um, fascial glide. And just so folks kind of understand what you're talking about here, uh, obviously the body, body's 70% water, mm-hmm. 35% water, whatever you want to, you know, whatever book you read. In terms of fascial glide, so what we're talking about here is this sort of like, um, this sort of sheath yeah. over our muscles. Can you just tell us and a little bit? over everything. I mean, we have almost like, think of it like almost layers of fascia, but they all right. kind of connect and it's all kind of interwoven within our entire system. Right. So it's over our organs, it's over our nerves, it's over our muscle tissue, it's it's underneath our skin. So we have superficial fascia too. So it's like if you pick up, you know, your arm, your the skin on your arm and you just pick that up and you kind of move it back and forth, mm-hmm. that's that restriction within that Got fascia it. right there that's going to stop you. Yeah. Um, so... Fascia, it, it's become popular because it's like, oh, well, if your fascia gets like constricted, that's causing right. cellulite. Right. And now we have all these products that, you know, can reduce cellulite. And I'm like, nah. Um, that's a foam roller. <laughs> <laughs> it's called movement. Um, <laughs> uh, the, the reality is fascia is actually so dense and to actually manipulate fascia Mm. we can't just roll on a foam roller and manipulate the fascia right um it's it takes almost a ton of force like literally like two thousand pounds yeah to to manipulate fascia so unless someone's steamrolling you um, they're not necessarily well, breaking up your fascia. I've seen some 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 tools that are. Have you seen that like three hundred pound foam roller? No. There is Please a no. there is a foam roller thing that I saw at a gym recently, and they're like, "You got to try it." I'm like, "I'm out of here." Um, they like sit down and they put it on their quad, and it's like majorly heavy. Oh my god! It's a steamroller. Oh my god! Yeah. So I, didn't I always thought that was a there. joke. Well, that's the thing, right? Is like this, that happens a lot. Wow. You know, this crazy That's interesting. So here's the thing, like we quote unquote manipulate relaxed fascia just by touching. Light touch can even manipulate fascia because what we're doing is we're actually talking to the nervous system and calming it down. And it's like, oh, I don't need to be so tense and so tight. I can relax for a second. Right. Um, So light touch pressure, different kinds of pressure, this is, uh, vibration, actually. And these are all based on mechanoreceptors. So mechanoreceptors underneath the skin, they respond to these different kinds of things. They respond to heat, they respond to pressure. So think of 
heat um, when you do cupping and they do like the mm -hmm. the heat within the cupping, you yep. know? That's more so getting into our nervous system. Right. The vibration. So we think of the vibration, vibrating foam rollers, the Theraguns, the things that are like tapping into us. That's right. causing vibration. It's not breaking up any fascia. That's actually calming our system. Mm. And I would argue, is it calming the system if it's so loud and obnoxious? It's like a jackhammer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Maybe not doing the job effectively. If you get super used to it, sure. Um, and then just pressure in general. So going to get a massage, why do you feel so relaxed? And like, why do things maybe look like they even out? Like I can even take a before and after photo, right? And that's going to change it in that one moment. Right. But that's because I talked to the nervous system right. throughout that massage. And I told that it's safe. I told it that it can relax a little bit, that it doesn't have to hold on so tight. But then why do I need to go back again and again and again and again and again? Because we're not actually teaching it to stay there. Right. We're tricking it into finding it for a hot second, for a moment. But unless someone teaches you how to come back into that yourself and really do the work internally within your own body, like no one else can fix you. Unless you're an orthopedic surgeon or something like that. Like this is the other thing. Like no one fixes you. You fix you. And that really like as a therapist, as a chiropractor, anything, as a clinician, we are facilitating the pathway. So please don't get sucked into the idea of someone is fixing you. I'm giving you tools. I'm giving you guidelines. I'm giving you an awareness and I'm helping you see and feel that within your body. That's why I'm going to touch you. I'm going to do manual work for sure. But I'm going to give you the tools necessary for you to create that in your own body. Because if I don't, then I'm selling you false advertisement. Right. Uh, this is great. You fix you. Nobody fixes you. Self-responsibility. Explore your body. Yes. Like all of these themes are, are incredible. Incredible. <laughs> and it's just so in line with you know, a lot of the stuff that I've been promoting yeah. and, you know, we're very kindred. This is incredible information. You guys turn up your volumes. This is, <laughs> this is amazing. Okay. So this idea that, um, you know, muscles don't have brains, right? They do what they're told. Yes. Right. And this yes. idea that, um, you know, the muscle is just tight, you yeah. know, it's tight and it must have For a no brain reason. of its yeah. own. And, yeah. you know, I've got the best massage therapist. I go every week and yeah. you know, this, I, and if you look at like, even, you know, uh, like a breath work practice or a mindfulness practice where it's not physical, mm -hmm. but look at the postural change. Oh yeah. Somebody that's gone going, you know, Thursday and Sunday, mm -hmm. which is when we go, it's like over the course of a month, you can see complete postural change yep. from sitting in on a mat listening. Mm -hmm. Or sitting on a mat doing nothing. Yeah. Yeah. And it's incredible. And that's the other thing I like, I go back to as well. I'm like, and why I'm so, so I worked in a private clinic for about a year and a half mm -hmm. as a physical therapist. And then I quit and I'm so grateful for it because it's allowed me to treat patients the way I want to. Right. And the, the time allotted to do that, because right. truly, I think when you're treating a human, it takes time. The insurance need, model. Oh, I know. Yeah. It just, it doesn't work. And, and what you're taught as a physical therapist, at least I can say for myself, for my school is that you're taught, draw them back to the pain. Why, why do they have the pain right in that shoulder area? Or what is their pain like on a scale from one to 10? How did it happen? Like bring them back to the pain, get them out of story. 
get them out of mm. story of what's happening in their life, what's happening like outside of like that pain issue, what get them out of story of the rest of their body, just bring them back, bring them back, draw them back in. Because for insurance purposes, you need to document everything about that pain point. Right. And not the person. It's- it's highly unlikely that the shoulder would be caused by anything but the shoulder. Uh, yeah, it's so crazy. <laughs> so, especially my chronic pain people or, you know, fibromyalgia or right. whatever it may be, like, a story is everything. I need to know what's happening in your life. And not because I'm going to coach you. I'm not a life coach. I'm not a, a psychotherapist. But I am going to open up space for you to just explore with me. Like, right. let's just explore what right. can be happening and where the environmental factors also play into um, what's happening in your pain. And that's why also I've had people on the table, numerous people on the table, where we are, I let them talk through things and then we get into some breath things. And maybe I'm working on, you know, some manual techniques a little bit. I guarantee it's not my manual technique. So some, all of a sudden people cry. Yeah. Pain is gone. Mm-hmm. And it's not because of what I'm doing manually on them. It's because for the first time they've been able to get back into their bodies, relax, and and not like focus so much on the pain. And trust. And trust. Yeah. And let go. And usually what and especially like in our traditionally, pain is bad. Right. That's what we know pain to be. And so automatically it is associated with this stimulus of uh, uh, into the sympathetic, into that fight, flight, freeze. Like, oh, my God, I have pain. This is bad. This is like, and what am I doing? I'm locking up my body. Like, right. oh, no, I'm in pain. I don't have time for pain. Pain is bad. Pain is this. Da, 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 da. Like, Ain't nobody got time yeah. for that. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just like locking up even yeah. more in my body. Of, and so, of course, you're going to feel it even more when we're in that sympathetic fight, flight, freeze, breathing into the chest, like tight in our body. Like, just think about what it does. I mean, think about it. I mean, a, a very easy example I like to say is like someone scares you and you're like, <gasps> and you breathe into the chest and your whole body restricts into you. Right. Now, imagine being like that all the time. <laughs> like, no wonder you can't improve your mobility because you're tight all the time and you're breathing into your chest and you're breathing out from your mouth and you're doing all these other practices that are just guiding your body into thinking I need to guard I need to I I am need to be protected from this bear that's apparently chasing me all day long (laughs) you know and it's it's like you're telling your body that it always needs to be guarding that it always needs to be protective and especially when we're in pain now especially in those moments that we say oh my god this is bad I can't have this we're not only tightening up the body, but when we're in that sympathetic state as well, we're actually releasing more cortisol. And mm. when we do that, we're increasing that stimulus to pain within our nerves. So we're going to feel even more pain right. when we fear the pain. Right. And what I like to go back to is like, pain is not bad. We need pain. If we don't have pain, then we have no idea what we're like. You put your hand on the stove and it's hot and you don't know what's hot. You're going to fry off your hand. (laughs) You're going to lose a hand. We need pain. It's it's such a beautiful thing and stimulus within our body, just the same as light touch, just the same as uh, smell, just the same as all these other senses and beautiful things that we have, our, our sight. Like, Pain is just another beautiful stimulus that lets us know when something's happening. Mm. And it can even like, 
based on, you know, emotional traumas. We collect pain into our brain and our body and our brain remembers. So there's actually like what are called neurotags where if you got injured and you all of a sudden got in an accident and you needed surgery on your knee or you threw out your back or something happened from a traumatic accident, um, your brain remembers that. And so now it's going to protect you in different circumstances, or if it even thinks that it's going back into that same kind of accident or like, oh no, don't lift that kettlebell because you got hurt that way. Don't like pick your, up a pencil. Yeah. Your brain is going to remember that and it might hurt again. And so it's not even like the act of the movement that you're doing, but it's more of the stimulus that's reminding you. Right. It could be like you know that you got really bad headaches when you were at work. Now, all of a sudden, every time you're at work, for some reason, you get, head- you get headaches. <laughs> and I've had this with patients numerous times as well, where it's like, oh, I had one person, I usually treat on Mondays, and I had one person was like, oh, well, on Saturday and Sunday, like my, my pain was starting to go away. And I was like, oh, no, I'm seeing Jen tomorrow. I actually want it to be bad <laughs> right. because I want her to like know exactly what's happening and what's going on. And I was like, okay, let's look at that. When was your pain bad? She was like, well, Monday through Friday. And when was your pain better? Uh, Saturday, Sunday. I'm like, okay, what do you think was different <laughs> between Monday through Friday no. and Saturday and it Sunday? It started to get better at 6 o'clock <laughs> on uh, Friday night. Yeah, exactly. She's like, well, I'm not sitting as much. I'm like, okay, yeah, maybe. But are you sitting, like, with your kid throughout the day? Are you sitting in cars? Are you doing? And she's like, yeah. I'm like, okay. So what else could it be? Right. You know, and, and again, I don't tell people, like, I want you to come to the answer yourself because if I tell you that it's a stressor from work or your boss or uh, your relationship or something, like, you're not going to get it. You're going to think I'm a quack and you're, <laughs> you're, you're going to go on to the next PT, on to the next chiropractor. And that's what usually happens. Like, I get a lot of people coming to me because they've been to eight chiropractors and no one's been able to fix them. And I'm like, I don't think it was the chiropractor. I don't think it was the physical therapist. I think it was your willingness to lean into some and explore some other things. And that's okay. Right. Maybe I can help you get back there. Maybe not. And, man, I've gone off on. This is amazing. Like, no, so I just want to keep, like, throwing some, like, kindling on the fire here. Uh, No, but, no, I think this obsession with good and bad is is part of the issue. So it's it's kind of funny, right? So... I just saw a guy, Michael, um, in San Diego recently who treats me for some stuff. And it was the same thing. I'm in this hard training block, and I'm like, I'm going to go extra hard on Monday because I got Michael on Tuesday. What's, mm, what's the worst yeah. that can happen? Yeah. Ended up going and feeling great when I went in. But this idea of things being, like, good or bad, and if they're not bad, they must be good. Mm. But this idea, the way that you treat patients, we'll see if I can help. Yeah. We'll see if I can. Yeah. So you're on this, like, you know, you're at this kind of middle ground yeah. that no one enjoys resting in. Right. But the irony is, you know, if you, if you try to rest in that, it feels pretty good. Yeah. So this idea that like, I'm going to see Jen tomorrow, I, you know, I'm, so they're almost hoping they feel bad mm-hmm. and they feel good. Well, what are they doing the rest of the time? They're hoping they feel good. So they feel bad. Yeah. And just the other day, I was chatting with Amelia about um, the placebo effect. 
the placebo effect, this piece of science that has been, you know, it's like considered this like anomaly that really messes with a lot of our research should be celebrated. Up to 72% of the time, our thoughts cure the problem. Oh, yeah. And it's like this obstacle that research has to like work around Mm -hmm. when in fact, shouldn't it be telling us like, whoa, Mm -hmm. like that's better than the drug we're trying to, Mm -hmm. that's better than the thing. Oh my gosh. (laughs) 70% success rate. Like why are we avoiding that? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And I always come back into this like, when I speak a lot too, it's coming into like this listening portion of our body. Um, because we have this, what I call a body conversation. So we have the external conversation of what someone else puts on us. Mm. So you, that's just your back. Yes. Yeah. Or you can't do that anymore. Or you can't squat. Yes. Or you're genetically predisposed for this or you're that. And we have all these things that are just your mother dropped you thrown on. Yeah. <laughs> you're screwed. <laughs> right. And we have all these things that are just projected onto us and we take in like, Oh, this is, this is it right. now. This is what I have. So overcoming that and then overcoming what is internally, what am I interpreting um, from that? So what is my internal conversation? What am I telling myself? I I don't have, I can't do, I, you know, and all of that. Um, Reframing mindsets is so much of a lot of it. And then what I think is the most important thing. So in conversation, if you're listening to me, you're saying you're worth listening to. Yeah. But I don't think we do that to our bodies. You're worth listening to. And like actually listening to. Not masking, not trying to cover up, but listening. Like, what are you trying to tell me? Okay, I'm bloated. I don't feel well. I'm less energized. Could it be the foods that I've been putting in my body? Could it be my lack of sleep? Could it be the people I'm surrounding myself with? Could it be my lack of mobility and I'm only strength training. Like, could it be these things that I'm neglecting? And most of the time I say, people come to me because they're in pain, Yeah. right? They're searching for an answer. Like, tell me the one thing to get out of this pain, which is never the case. But what they're really doing is they're neglecting something. Right. There's some kind of neglect, whether it's in the body, whether it's in the environment. You're neglecting something. And what I'm trying to do is just bring awareness. Right. (laughs) It's kind of maximization versus optimization. You know, we get what we want. We get what we chase. Uh, Somebody that is kind of externalizing. Maybe I'm, you know, trying to make a bunch of money. Maybe I'm trying to live in a certain part of town. Maybe I'm trying to fill my house with certain stuff. I'm maximizing in that kind of external world and this sort of consumerist or this kind of tangible thing. Yeah. We're maximizing. We're not optimizing mm-hmm. our home, our health, mm-hmm. our X, Y, and Z. Yeah. And then the thing you don't pay attention to is a thing that falls apart. Yeah. Or the thing that, you know, it's so funny, and I think about this a lot, is like, you know, we're so glued to our phones we got like external chargers. We got like charger in the, we're taking Ubers because we need to charge our phone. And, you know, there's this whole thing. But when our batteries are low, we don't know how to listen. Mm-hmm. But we'll be damned if we let that phone battery mm-hmm. <laughs> drop below, right? you know, low power mode. Mm-hmm. So, uh, this, so focused this, on the external. 
Right. Not on the internal. Right. Mm-hmm. Don't forget about the battery. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's huge. That's incredible. Um, this idea of neurotags is just so yeah. huge. I mean, it's it's and it's it's impossible to not um, to to kind of deny that, right? Anybody yes. that's ever had an injury, yeah, uh, knows what it's like. And if you think about just you know what you think about you get, it's like if you're doing a shoulder press. You know, and you're like, oh man, my shoulder, like, yeah. you know, I, you're afraid. I heard it this, yeah. this long ago yeah. and da, 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 da. So we got to kind of get out of our head big time. Well, and one way that you can even start to work with that is just, first of all, acknowledging and accepting, okay, I've had an injury here and I understand that it could be weaker. Like we've, I took a neuro lymphatic course. This is mm-hmm. where I learned a lot of it. It was great. Um, and I, I think it was called IKN integrated kinetic neurology. So shout out to them um, for the neurolymphatics course. And we did muscle testing for people where yeah. they're completely strong. They've had this surgery five years ago. Like right. they work, they run on it, they exercise on it, you know, they do everything. Right. And yet when we did these certain muscle tests where they would touch the injury, mm. it would, or the past injury, the past surgery, it would be weaker. And and you think, I mean, in general, muscle tests are like subjective, you know, right. whatever. But but when you see that kind of significant difference from one leg to another based on drawing attention back to that area and not being able to be as strong, you know that your brain and your body is still protecting it. It's right. like, no, 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 don't put as much pressure there. Right. No, 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 don't do that. And so one way that we can even just start to address these neurotags and start to pay attention to them is first acknowledging, okay, I do get a little weakness or I get a little guarding and I'm protective of my shoulder because I'm afraid, blah, blah, blah. So maybe you do a single arm press and you're actually holding onto your shoulder and drawing attention and breathing into it and understanding like, oh, look, it's strong, it's able, it's capable and drawing attention back into that area as you're doing the movement in order to bring more stimulus, in order to bring more tension and just draw that that nervous system back into that area so that we can actually start to retrain that neurotech. This is like, you know, and now we're getting into like Joe Dispenza, this like, (laughs) you know, this idea. And this is wild. And I've taken some people through this, just like the basic like blessing of the energy centers. Mm -hmm. And it's like where you put your energy is where you put your attention or no, the other way around. Where you put your attention is where you put your energy. And if you put it in the negative, you put it in the positive. But it's also physical. Yeah, it's so so physical. And so just and and again, that's that's physiological too. Right. Like it's not just about woo-woo energy or anything like that. Like it's, you literally get these neurotags within the body right. and we can test for it. Right. And so if that shoulder is to kind of recap, if that shoulder, the energy that your mm-hmm. brain is sending to mm-hmm. say an injured shoulder, knee, back, hip, whatever, is an energy of fear. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. if I put my attention on that shoulder and convert Mm -hmm. and just kind of, I think, I think if I'm hearing you, it's like, accept the fear, see the fear, explore the fear and do what you can to turn it into love or do what you can to turn it into something positive. Well, turn it into safety. Show, prove wrong. Right. Right. Prove your brain. No, it actually is strong. Look at what it can do. Look at what I'm able to do and progressively build up the strength with touching that area at the same time. And you, you prove your, your, yourself wrong. Right. So you don't have to be afraid anymore. 
so that it doesn't have to be a protective mechanism anymore. And it doesn't have to be the safety and, and on guard all the time. And right. it can function the way that you want it to. Right. And back where this kind of conversation started and then your responsibility, which is mm -hmm. another theme of Doc Jen's work here, uh, you know, this, this, this polarization of good, bad, this polarization of, I can't even, you know, move very well, but I want a pistol squat. Yeah. And so then the responsibility you put on yourself after you kind of get through this is, and yeah, if it's a shoulder, like just accept that muscle ups aren't that like, they're not your thing for a while. Yeah, for so right now. There's this like, so I've, I've taught a million courses, right? Mm -hmm. I taught two-day workshops in a million places. Most of them were CrossFit gyms. And I'm not like just all my buddies have CrossFit gyms, my best friends in the world. Amazing, cool. Every time I go into CrossFit gym, I get asked about a shoulder. I mean, it's bad genes. It's like this freak thing. It's like this thing. And it's so funny because at least 50% of the time, I'll take somebody, usually a dude, Fix the shoulder, mm -hmm. well, help the shoulder yeah. maybe, try yeah. to unlock this or yeah. that or kind yeah. of do some of the work. But before the end of the weekend, I'll catch them doing muscle-ups. Like I'll catch them doing barbell snatches. I'll catch them doing something stupid. And so there's also this sort of, um, you know, this sort of rush back to activity. Mm -hmm. This like if you're not a couch potato, you're a triathlete mindset mm -hmm. that like the world is just afflicted with. So mm -hmm. I yeah, think we go from zero to hundred rather than appreciate the journey right? and appreciate like, you know, there's, there's going to be just a change in how I might normally approach it, which is okay. And really coming back into that mindset. I, I think especially like, I know my girl, uh, Brianna battles, she reframes mindsets a lot around, uh, pregnancy and postpartum mm. and getting people back into the mindset of like, listen, your athletic journey right now is just going to ebb and shift. Right. It's just going to change. It's not bad. But we can't dig into the same identity that we had identified with of how heavy you went or how fast you went or what that looked like. And it's just going to, we're going on a different journey right now. And that's okay. Right. And it really coming into the acceptance of like, at this moment, I might be able to go super hard. At this moment, I might need to rest a little bit more. At this moment, and like, again, that all comes back to listening to the body. And where is my body at right now? And how can I appreciate the journey as I go through? Um, and just coming back into <laughs> a lot of it is acceptance. Right. Yeah. This is great. I mean, wow. Um, no, uh, uh, amazing. Um, We've I think covered a lot. This is. No, I think you know. It's funny is that we talked about the big toe. I don't think we talked about the. Big we never toe went at all. back to it. We never went back to it. Oh, believe me, I wasn't going to bring it back. I just think I wanted to let that like sink in with people. Yeah. Like this, this mantra, this theme, this energy that you're putting out is like, like if you're listening to this, like put it back to the start and listen to it again mm -hmm. because. Uh, this this information is just what we all need to hear in a in a major way. Um, there's so many amazing themes here. Um, you should you guys should see my notebook and I've been like shifting my head back and forth for the last hour. It's just you know this is is mind blowing stuff. Um, if we do go back to the big toe, if we do go back to the big toe, if we do go back, the other thing I wanted to um, I, I've seen you do because you mentioned uh, ladies pregnancy. Yeah. Um, I've seen you do some work with some ab issues that people are having. Yeah. Um, uh, diastasis. Yeah. Curious on because we talked about the inner unit. Mm -hmm. 
kind of that, and then we can chat big toe and the sort of uh, this sort of idea that that I teach a lot of like taking care of the lower body and like hopefully it trickles up. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, well. First, I want to say I'm not a pelvic floor therapist, so I'm not going to be the expert when it comes to like prolapse and diastasis recti. And 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 I like to just raise the awareness in general of right. there's such thing as pelvic floor therapy. And actually, diastasis is quite normal, regular, happens. Mm-hmm. It's not the end of the world. Again, it's just a journey that your body's going through. And this is when the abdominal wall, the six-pack muscle yes. splits yes. in pregnant women. Yes. But not just pregnant women. Okay. Males can get diastasis recti as well. Listen up, um, fellas. Women can get diastasis recti mm. without being pregnant. Um, anyone can yeah. <laughs> develop a diastasis um, over time if we're only utilizing our rectus abdominis and putting a lot of demand and pressure only on there and not really using our whole pressure system. So again, going back to that inner Mm. unit of the pressure system, how are you even breathing with movement? How are you utilizing movement? And are you over dominating it in one area? Because I see plenty of photos on Instagram of men who are flexing Mm. and they have that separation of the abdominal wall and zero idea. I've even worked out with women where they don't um, have any babies or anything Mm -hmm. and we're doing abdominal exercises and I see the pressure that's coming out Mm -hmm. uh, within that diastasis. And that's not bad. Again, I don't like to say it's like something scary. It's something bad. It's something whatever. Um, It's just like, oh, okay, let's observe it. Let's see what's happening within the body. Now let's see how I can start to manipulate and change. And and I would say that's greatly going to come back to the pressure system. So how are you breathing within the rib cage? Are you breathing in a 360 pattern? Um, How are you moving? Are you using... um, you know, like, are you using multiple muscle groups to kind of help and assist? I would say when you're coming back from something like using momentum a little bit, using guidance, using other things is okay. I have also taken a course. um, What was it? It was something about uh, the female athlete. Mm -hmm. I honestly can't remember what the full name of it was. (laughs) It's okay. We, if we figure it out, we'll put a link. Yeah, we can put a link to it. Um, And we really went into a lot of like, okay, let's only work the transverse abdominis and turn on your pelvic floor and try to resist movement. And you're actually a lot weaker Mm. rather than utilizing, you know, your glutes and your obliques and other muscles. And you might even see more diastasis recti Mm. um, and more of that pressure come out in that midline if you're doing like exercises laying on your back and trying to do like the Pilates type stuff Mm -hmm. rather than doing, um, a CrossFit setup on, right. On a, what is that called? The GH? Uh, yeah, the GHD or the ab mat. Yeah. Yeah. And using momentum. Mm. It might not even come up as much Mm. as doing a controlled exercise. Right. So realizing too, like, it doesn't like, there's no one exercise. First of all, like don't just go to Pilates. Don't just go to yoga. Um, first I would say, even if you've had a baby in general, even if you haven't, like, I like to say, go see a pelvic floor therapist once a year. I mean, we're like conditioned as women to go see our, um, 
our gyno and get a pap smear once a year or whatever it may be. But I would also really, really push like just go see a pelvic floor therapist because we have zero idea what's going on down there most of the time. (laughs) Even men, like like, go see. I make dudes do Kegels. Yeah, but it it goes beyond that. Yeah. Like what if it's tight? What if it's restricted? And maybe that's why you're not getting a good pressure system. Mm -hmm. We don't know unless we're having someone palpate. It's the same thing as like, if I'm going to touch your glutes, make sure that they turn on. That's a very common thing, right? Mm -hmm. I'm going to touch your transverse abdominis, see how it's activating. That's common. Why can't I touch your pelvic floor? What does that involve? (laughs) Someone touching down into the pelvic region. So like, how do they do that? They like, where are they? <laughs> well, I would say that's where you go to a pelvic for, floor therapist. <laughs> for people listening, where yeah. exactly are the fingers going here? <laughs> like, <laughs> they might be going in places. Okay. Okay. But it's, it's just, again, to observe and see and not right. to, not to dramatize it and right. say, oh my God, now you have prolapse and you have this and that. Right. Right. Just right. to become aware. Right. Everything is about awareness. Right. And I think that's used a lot in gyms, like you said, with the glutes, you know, it's this idea that like where you put your attention is where you put your energy. And Mm -hmm. it's like, if you can't get into your glutes, I'm going to smack you in the butt. Yeah. You know, if you can't get into your stomach, kick you a little bit, turn those things on. Yeah, tap into those areas and start to turn them on. And it's like, if you see your buddy at the mall or something and you go, hey, what's up? Punch him in the, it's like, you see the the flinch. It's like you, you draw attention to these areas and it makes, it makes total sense. And I think, I think we think that a lot of times we need more pelvic floor activation, but what you said there's it folks, could be tight. It could be tight. I see that, and I I suspect that. Yeah. In some guys. Oh yeah, totally. I've had I I work I don't do internal, so mm-hmm. I work with a pelvic floor therapist that I refer to. Yep. Um, and I have had men that you know are way more restricted into yep. the pelvic region, and right. we're having them sit on balls and relax and breathe. <laughs> Right, right. So mostly um, breathing exercises or a like, lot of breathing and, and still like getting that palpation. So maybe that is like sitting on like a, a tune up ball and that's still squishy enough. Like mm-hmm. I love the tune up system mm-hmm. because there's still like give a little yeah, bit where yeah, it's not yeah. like a lacrosse ball right. in an area. <laughs> um so they kinda mold into the body and like sitting on those therapy balls. Yeah. Can like right and I like to say like like try it. So sit on the ground, like in Indian style or on a chair if you can't. And put like one of those tune-up balls like on the inside of your uh, sit bone, so like your ish tube, so right Got on the it. inside, so it's not going in any holes. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> not going in any holes. But try it. Sit like maybe move. But it, it is to dead the center. Like, it could be a little bit in the okay. front. It could be a little bit in the back. Like okay. our pelvic floor region kind of wraps mm-hmm. around that entire area. Mm-hmm. So see, and and there might be an area that you're like, holy crap, that doesn't feel good. Right. <laughs> and that's an area that could be restricted. Right. And so breathing into that. And when we we're talking about breathing, that's our first key back to mobility, as well as like increasing our 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 fascia, uh, like our fluids and all that kind of stuff. Like, yes, we want to get fluids moving, but we also want to tap into that breathing because our breathing we can actually drop back into that parasympathetic, that rest, relax, and that's really just on like, if we think of of the breath cycle and we think of the inhale again. If I get scared and right. I do a forceful inhale that I'm, I'm stressing more into that sympathetic. Right. Think of it now going, getting a massage and you're like, ah, right. what did you just do? Your exhales. Mm-hmm. You did a long exhale. So again, if you want to improve mobility, longer exhales, right. shorter inhales, breathing in and out through your nose, 
um, all those things are going to kind of get you back into that more parasympathetic, that rest, relax, and ultimately really help to improve mobility. So if you're sitting on balls, if you're foam rolling, if you're in a massage, anything, if someone's working on you, getting yourself back into that exhale phase more so than the inhale phase is what's going to help uh, that treatment a lot better. Absolutely. And, and this is, you know, pretty consistent. You know, when we met, I was teaching a little bit of a, mm-hmm. a breath class and, and I get the question a lot, like, you know, when I prescribe a breath routine or mm-hmm. a movement thing, it's like, well, when do I do it? You mm-hmm. know, or, Hey, I went to the gym, I did the thing. And then I did the thing, right. <laughs> I, I did the breath and then I went and did this, went yeah. and did deadlifts, went and did squats, whatever. And it's funny. Cause I kind of think of it as like, you know, three meals a day, because when you think about what, what Doc Jen's saying here is, um, you know, our exhale is our mobility, mm-hmm. right? So in other words, so much of the tone and tension, yes. uh, is just that. So the muscular tension is emotional tension or it's Mm -hmm. fight or flight or it's Mm -hmm. sympathetic. Now, if I'm going to go try to do a hundred snatches, it's not the time to do these long exhales. So Mm -hmm. I think the other piece of the puzzle here Mm -hmm. is to kind of look at um, if the exhale and the relaxed system is the breath, then it's important to kind of, in some cases, separate that from your hardest workout of the week. Yeah. Because that's when you actually need to be a little sympathetic, potentially, mm-hmm. depending on your sport or whatever. So that's why I love, and I'm interested in your thoughts, but I love just like start the day with this. Mm-hmm. Like get out, you know, we got our balls. It's just like roll the feet, yeah. lower limb, do some breathing, yeah. do some long exhales mm-hmm. before coffee and just kind of mm-hmm. get the sort of. Yeah, get you back into bit. your system for right. a second so you can relax and like actually focus on, okay, what are my intentions for the day? What am I going to create today? Um, and I've, I, I prescribe it at least like I, I tell people like, please just give me like five to 10 minutes before you go to bed. Mm -hmm. Like, like you're already laying down, you can relax, like observe what's happening within your rib cage and your breath and just give me five to 10 minutes. And I usually have people like, oh, I fell asleep right away or I've never fallen asleep that fast. I've never gotten that much rest before, you know? And Mm so really getting I, I think getting it at least then, but then doing it like now put it into a stressful situation. Mm. Now be doing it when you're in the car right. uh, in traffic <laughs> and you really are like, why are people moving? <laughs> so rather than like letting your blood boil, right. how can you tap into that breath? Maybe your boss is yelling at you and you're like, oh, let me put my hands in my rib cage as I listen to you yell at me yeah. and, <laughs> and breathe. And, Belly breathe. And they're going to be like, why aren't you affected? And be like, well, I'm in my parasympathetic right now. <laughs> oh my gosh. So, so like last week, Lala, who mm-hmm. I know worked mm-hmm. on you and worked on me, I was a little scared because I knew she was, <laughs> I, I didn't know her, but yeah. um, I knew she was coming here and I went on your Instagram and I'm like, oh my, I don't know what's going on there. She had like fingers in your yeah. mouth and like all this stuff. In my nose. In her, in your, oh, that's what it was. It was in your nose. Yeah. So Lala is this incredible therapist that does a lot of work. But anyway, um, it's been interesting. So the night, like she worked on me. Mm-hmm. That night, my deep sleep like doubled. I do like the aura ring mm. and track my sleep. Mm. And I was like, you know, because I've gotten a lot of the therapy that she did. But one of the things I remembered that she did, like when I'm like retracing, like, whoa, that, that's the only like variable that's yeah. a, a miss. Yeah. And then thinking about it and she like grabbed my neck like this, like yeah. grabbed all the like little yeah. things that you can grab in your neck and kind of like really worked my neck. And I was like, man, there must be like a you know, that must be like a pretty, you know, whether it's like a, a vagus nerve yeah, stimulation or yeah. something like that. So ever since now, a bunch of years ago, I read an Ayurvedic book mm. and, you know, the two like big themes in these Ayurvedic 
kind of principles. Number one is like you get up, you scrape your tongue. Mm-hmm. And another thing though is this daily uh, self-massage, mm-hmm. right? And so it's like go into a hot shower, you know, and I did it for a while and I really did love it. But then I got so into the cold shower thing <laughs> that like, you know, you can't be like rubbing yourself down with oil. But anyways, I was like, you know what? I'm going to kind of bring these two things together. And so the last couple of nights before I go to bed, I go in the shower, lights off. Maybe there's like a candle mm-hmm. and I get the like coconut oil or whatever is in the cabinet. And I just do this, like whatever I, I try to replicate what she did. Nice. And I've been able to like keep that sleep. Amazing. And then last night, then I hit her up and I'm, you know, talking and I'm like, hey, like this is what I've been doing. And, da, 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 da. and she's like, well, actually, you know, this whole thing. Yeah. But one of the things that I guess she did was this, um, she did like pelvis and head at the same time. Mm-hmm. So whatever, I don't, whatever I was laying on the ground and at some point she did this, like, she's like one of the most powerful things for this is like when you stimulate kind of the pelvis and the neck at the same time. Mm-hmm. So now I've been doing the self shower thing before I go in, I lay on the ground and I've got like two of the balls under my sit bones mm-hmm. and two in like my suboccipitals mm. and I lay there and do my breath mm. and that, and my deep sleep spent like three hours. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. And again, we go back to how it's all connected from the pelvis all the way to the head. Exactly. <laughs> Another example. Mind blown. <laughs> Mind blown. Well, thanks, Doc Jen. Yeah. We're going to have to have was, you back. This is fun. There's, we went into a lot of stuff. I didn't even do any of the questions that I had. Yeah, we didn't <laughs> go into like social media, mobility. No, no. Like, forget it. Like, pistol squats, my first question. Uh, no, but that's the whole thing. Like questions, yeah. these things, you know, questions are just a backup. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, this is a free flowing thing. So this was a hugely valuable hour, however long it was. Thank you so much. This was super cool. Thanks for having me. This was really fun. I loved how we just flowed into all the things. <laughs> it's a pleasure having you. Now, uh, I'll put links to all your stuff, yeah. but for people that want to find you. Yeah. Uh, Doc Jen Fit everywhere, you know, Facebook, YouTube which there should be more things coming on YouTube. And then Instagram ultimately is where you can find me the most. You really want to get a hold of me, mention me in something. And mm-hmm. I see my mentions before anything else. I have so many DMs, so I can't get back to everyone. But yeah. mention me in something, and I'll probably see it. Awesome. Thank you so much, Doc Jen. Thank you guys for listening. I'm going to put links to all the stuff we talked about and probably some more in the show notes. So stay tuned with that. And thanks for tuning in. Thank you guys so much for listening to today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. For the show notes to today's episode and every episode of Stacked, just head to coachjodi.com slash stacked. And don't forget to leave us a review wherever you found this show. Every two weeks, we send one lucky reviewer a gift card worth $150 to kettlebellkings.com, one of my favorite websites. Good luck and thanks for listening.